It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. Joining me now, Jason Riley, uh, Wall Street Journal columnist, senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute and author of The Black Boom, and another book, by the way, one of the books I have on my shelf that you should certainly have on your shelf, uh, Maverick, biography of Thomas Sowell. Uh, Jason, man, it's been a long time. I, we're not in the building anymore. I, at least I'm not. We don't get to see each other walking around. How are you? I'm good. I'm very good, David. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, let's dive right in. It's important because economics is the foundation of of society. When you have a good economic foundation, you can afford to debate and afford to do something about the issues that face us. Under Donald Trump, uh, you put forward that the economic lives of black people improved significantly under those policies. How so? Well, you're right about this this good economic news, and we should be celebrating it. I mean, the left talks endlessly about income inequality. That's all we talk about. And under Donald Trump, during his first three years prior to the pandemic, there was shrinking income inequality. And there was also shrinking racial inequality as a result of this. And and. We should be celebrating this, but the press didn't want to talk about it because they had decided very early on to paint Donald Trump as a bigot whose policies would harm the prospects, the economic prospects of blacks and other minorities. So reporting this news would have undermined that narrative. So they really downplayed it or ignored it. And I wanted to write this book to tell this underreported story. Black wages were rising at a faster rate than white wages under Donald Trump's first three years. Black unemployment reached historic lows. Uh, 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 Black poverty rates reached historic lows. Um, There's a good news story to tell here. One thing that's worrying is that our current president wants to reverse a lot of the policies that I think led to those outcomes. And I'm worried that we'll go back to the slow growth that we saw under Obama. So uh, I think this is a, a story worth telling. A couple of things come to mind, Jason. And as you mentioned, the Biden presidency and the Biden administration, you've heard me say this probably in past years, the soft bigotry of low expectations of the Democrats and of a Joe Biden for decades in Congress, uh, in the Senate, and vice president, now president. And it's that blacks cannot achieve. Second thought to add to this, uh, and this is in your uh, Wall Street Journal, uh, in the Wall Street Journal column. And and I want to take this point that it's not just the black community, but the reference to Latinos as well, right? Blacks and and Latinos or Hispanics, whatever term someone wants to use, had those record low unemployment rates and poverty while rate wages were rising. And that's because there's also a corresponding geographic relationship, which includes a geographic working relationship in those communities. To me, that supports the success of the policy based on the economy, not based on color. Conversely, Biden is based on color, but yet ineffective for anyone. I I think that's an excellent point, David, because really what I'm describing in the book is a working class boom. What Trump's policies did was raise the the, the, uh, economic prospects 
of the working class. It just so happens that blacks and Hispanics are overrepresented in the working class. So the benefits really redounded to those two groups the most. But this was really a working class boom. And what it shows is that economic policies that help the economy grow work to the benefit of everyone. And they work better than a race-specific policy put out there just to help this group or that group, which is what the left tends to focus on. They argue that without racial preferences, policies specifically helping this group or that, those groups can't get ahead. Donald Trump brought a whole different mentality to this. He says, I'm going to grow the economy. And then people will go out there and take advantage of the job opportunities and the wage growth as a result of that. And I think that policy works better. Free market economics works better than racial preferences and wealth redistribution. I think that's the ultimate uh, storyline here. Yeah, I want to add a, what I believe is a significant, and the data shows this, significant factor in what we're discussing. Uh, while we're discussing economic policy for the moment, immigration policy and immigration enforcement plays into this. Because where, in large part, do you see more illegal aliens and then the blended family units that come over time living, working, and diluting the available jobs market. That's in typically lower economic areas. They're not buying mansions. They're not living in San Francisco in the district. Uh, they're living in these communities, and not just for blacks and Hispanics, but whatever. Whites are larger in number, but economically, that's where the dilution occurs. Trump's policies were aimed at reducing the influx. Under Biden, we've seen over 2 million that we know of come into this country illegally in one year? Well, we need to get control of the border. That's, that's for certain. And I think the Biden administration is really going to regret the fact that they haven't prioritized this. Um, I think a lot of people want to see immigration reform of our legal system, but that's not going to happen until we get control of the border. It's a priority for most Americans, and I really think it's going to cost the Democrats. Uh, uh, they're going to pay a high cost in the upcoming midterm elections because of the chaos on the border. But if you want immigration reform, which I do, um, you're going to need Republicans and Democrats coming to the table. And so long as we see this chaos on the border, I think you're not going to find buy-in uh, from Republicans. So nothing's going to happen. Yeah, look, and sadly, I have to say right now the Republicans should stand by but not go to the table because in this election cycle as you and i have seen over the decades it becomes an argument rather than an actual policy approach to dealing with the border also specific actions irrespective of party actions or actions if you stop the flow stop the flood which biden reversed conversely to trump and you don't balkanize America with night flights into Westchester County and other areas in Florida and other areas around the country, then at least you have a starting point for a negotiation on what to do and how to do it. But Mayorkas, Alejandro Mayorkas, is getting backs turned on him at the border because border agents see the reality. And that, yeah, by the I way, think, again, uh, this, this, just, just to bring this for everyone listening, Jason, I, I want to understand, this ties into the economic success of the country and of the black community, the Latin community, and again, based on economic level, not color of skin, anyone at a certain income level in these communities. 
I think the Democrats are really misplaying this issue. I, I, and, and I don't understand why. I mean, if, if this isn't what Hispanic voters in this country want, the immigration policies that we see under uh, Joe Biden. I mean, Republican support among Hispanics has been growing and been dropping among Democrats. I mean, I don't I don't understand the calculation that the Democrats are making here. Some people say, oh, they're just trying to import their future voters. Well, not based on the voting trends we see in this country among Hispanics. That doesn't seem to be working. They're losing Hispanic support. And that's because I think Americans want to see control of the border. Listen, this is a sovereign country. We get to decide who comes and on what terms. The laws of this country, the immigration laws of this country should redound to the benefit of the people who live here, not the people who want to come. We prioritize the, the, the needs of the people who live here. And Americans get that. They want a secure border. They don't want the border erased. They want it fixed. And we're not going to fix it until everyone comes to the table here. And you're not going to get everyone to the table until we, we, you know, handle what's going on on the border. And this, this administration seems indifferent to it. My guest, Jason Riley, uh, columnist at The Wall Street Journal, uh, senior fellow at Manhattan Institute, probably one of, if not the greatest statistical institute. I've, I've used the data on so many issues from MI for years and also of one of my other favorite books. We're talking about the new book, but False Black Power, which you also wrote, uh, just says it for what it is. The new book, of course, The Black Boom uh, by Jason Riley. You know, Jason, we're in this, and I don't want to even get into because I don't believe there should be a Black History Month because my history or our history or whatever you want to call it is a part of American history every day of the year. But that aside, we see a lot of the political plays and ploys during Black History Month. And it's important to talk about this the way you are from a statistical, data-driven, and policy-combined way. So what do you say to, to anyone out there, blacks, liberals, whites, everyone has to be aware of these issues in an honest context. What do you say to them now, given what we have already uh, seen teed up by the left and by the Biden administration for the election cycle? Well, I, I think that, you know, People forget how hard uh, blacks had it under Obama economically. Uh, the black unemployment rate did not fall below double digits until the seventh year of the Obama presidency. And if you're a Republican out there trying to appeal to uh, racial minorities uh, in the upcoming elections, you know, you, you, you should remind them of that. Remind them of how, how much fatter their paychecks got in the first three years under Trump before the pandemic. Remind them of all the job opportunities that were out there. As you know, you know, a lot of low-income blacks and Hispanics are service sector workers. They work in hospitality. And when we had these lockdowns, they couldn't go to work. They couldn't work from home like I do mostly. They couldn't do that. And I think Trump's focus on reopening the economy appealed to them. It's one of the reasons I think we saw an uptick in support uh, from blacks and Hispanics in his reelection. I mean, he didn't get reelected, but he saw an uptick in support among those groups. And I think it had to do with uh, the economic policies that he put in place and his focus on reopening the economy. So Republicans have the issues. They also need to go into these neighborhoods, David. They need to go into these neighborhoods and campaign. And too few of them do that. 
They need to show up. They need to advertise on black radio and Twitter and Facebook and all the rest. They need to go into these neighborhoods, into the to barbershops and the community centers and so forth, and make their case. And I think too few of them do that. So that's the other thing I would encourage them to do. Yeah, and stop being afraid of being called a name, a racist, an ist, or an ism. Go in and deliver the policy prescription. Reinforce it with how it actually can help someone. And, and look, you and I have yelled about this from uh, the mountaintops or maybe the tops of the tall buildings in New York for decades. Uh, go in there, take the slings and arrows, and walk away with one, two, three, a few. Keep going back. You get several. Now you get a dozen, a couple dozen, and suddenly you get a wave, a real wave. Yeah, I think they're, they will find a sympathetic ear in, in these communities if they, if they bother to go in there and, and make their case. Uh, the other issue I would, I would encourage uh, uh, Republicans to focus on is education. We saw what the lockdowns did um, to our kids and, and how the unions put the interest of their members ahead of our children in terms of reopening schools. And remind, the Republicans should remind uh, uh, the public of who the unions give all their money to. Uh, and I mean, I, I would not let the public forget that lesson anytime soon. I think there's a real opportunity for Republicans to push for school choice. And we know uh, this is popular in the black community, charter schools, vouchers and all the rest. And, and Republicans should go in there and make the case with this pandemic in mind. Yeah. They certainly need to, and they need to make an effective case, and they need the follow-through, which is what you and I will have always watched and will be watching. Uh, the book is The Black Boom by Jason L. Riley, my guest. Yeah, I did the full name there for you, Jason. Wall Street <laughs> Journal columnist and senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute. But I'm just going to tell, tell my audience like it is. You've got, if you don't have them yet, you need to get his other books. Put them together. You'll see a track. You'll see what we're talking about laid out for you. Maverick, the biography of Thomas Sowell, False Black Power. Uh, please stop helping us. We're independent. Not all blacks are victims. I know I'm not a victim. You're not a victim, Jason. Okay. Well, thank you, David. All right, anytime, my friend. Again, Jason's website, by the way, uh, you can go to the Manhattan Institute and look him up, or you can go to jasonreillyonline.com. Great work, Jason. Always love it. It's, it's about time you were on here to talk about something. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. All right, anytime. The Black Boom by Jason L. Riley. Available wherever books are sold. Get it. Get his other books, too. I know we're talking about the new one, but it will give you an insight. And again, an insight that you can apply because of the, 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 the way it's laid out, no matter what ethnicity, skin color, whatever. It's an economic, economic argument in large part. You can join me live on The David Webb Show, Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east, on Sirius XM Patriot 125.